Well, just a, a little while ago, we, we looked at uh, some passages from Mark chapter 1 and chapter 2, where Jesus was calling his first disciples. And uh, as we begin this series, Encounters with Jesus, I, I figured today's title was really called To Follow. And uh, want us to just have a look at that this morning, what it might mean for us to be called to follow in 2013. And what we might learn from encounters with Jesus in Luke's gospel through this first quarter of the year. Jesus has been proclaiming the good news in Mark's gospel. I guess a great summary of the good news is for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. Jesus was proclaiming the good news that he had come to die, that he had come to forgive people their sin and ask them to follow him, to believe. And it's wonderful in that first chapter of of Mark to see Simon and Andrew, James and John recognise Jesus' authority and step out of the boat, literally, and follow him. And then, chapter 2, same thing happens to Levi, stepping out of the job that he was doing, a job that was not very well regarded, I might add, and follow Jesus. Ordinary people who recognise their need for repentance and forgiveness from their sin. Forgiveness from their self-sufficiency. Forgiveness from their turning away from God. Saying, I know best, or I just haven't got the energy, or I really don't want to do what God wants me to do. Or I'm not entirely sure what I should do, but I'm not going to try and find out what God would have me do. In many ways, these men were probably not obvious sinners. Although Levi, the tax collector, would have been looked down upon by many as a bit of a rat bag. Somebody to be dismissed as a money grabber. But actually, the fishermen, well, they were just ordinary blokes doing their ordinary things. Not obvious sinners. I was, uh, I was pollarding the, the willow tree at the bottom of the man's garden with Steve Cutts yesterday. And I have to say my heart sank when Steve phoned this morning because I thought maybe I'd killed him because we'd worked so hard on it. But no, it was worse. Poor TJ. But Steve was all right. And at one point we saw a branch of wood and in the middle of the branch of wood which actually looked pretty all right a nice nice branch of willow but in the middle of that branch of willow was the beginnings of rot the beginnings of the tree seeing disease being able to get in And there's just a little picture for me of most of us, actually. 
Because on the outside, for, for all the world, we're pretty all right people. We look all right. We do the right thing. We say the right thing, more or less. But actually, like these first disciples, they recognised that inside of them there was a rot that was their turning away from God. A rot that may go unnoticed, perhaps through a whole lifetime, but maybe, maybe, will become very evident. So whether we see ourselves as sinners that are kind of gnarled and manky and rotten right through to the outside, or whether we kind of see ourselves as pretty okay, we have a need for Jesus to forgive us. And this kind of is stretching the illustration a bit, but we saw this very cool bit of wood. How about that? A bit of rot that was turning into a cross. And we need Jesus to come and deal with our rot. And those first disciples saw that and they followed Jesus. They saw the rot in the middle. And they walked and they followed And what did they do as they followed? Well, that idea of being a disciple, being a disciple of a rabbi, was to actually literally follow in their footsteps and and kind of hear their every word and learn from them. And those disciples decided to do that. Let's move to, to John chapter 17. As I said, just before Jesus' arrest... Where Jesus is troubled. If ever his love for his disciples was evident, it's in this prayer where his heart is heavy for them. He's walked with them for three years. He's wanted to kind of just give them everything that he could of himself, show him, show them who he is. But he sees that a bit like us, they were quite distractible. They fell to the wayside so easily. And his heart was heavy for them, but his heart was also rejoicing because he could see that they loved him and they wanted to follow him and that they had given their lives into his care. And it's a beautiful prayer because halfway through what we read, we see that it's not only a prayer for them, but it's a prayer for all who believe, all who would follow Jesus. Jesus was praying for us at that moment. And Jesus' love expressed here in his compassion and his concern expressed elsewhere in John's gospel is his expression of the Father's love for us. And he is so motivated by that love for his first disciples and for us. And so over these next few weeks, as we look at encounters with Jesus, retold by Luke, 
I want us to be reminded of Jesus' love for us. I want us to be reminded as, as we see Jesus encounter other people and how he expresses his love and his compassion, his wisdom and his authority in many different scenarios. I want us to see that for ourselves, to be reminded, maybe to see it clearly for the first time. And importantly, I want us to learn from Jesus how we reach out into the world that's around us. Because actually we can't learn from anyone better than from Jesus how to reach out into the world that is all around us, beautiful and broken as it is. Now when we talk about reaching out to the world around us, when we talk about evangelism, we often think of it as, as kind of an event that's organised. It's something that, that we organise and we do. We're going to do an evangelistic week. We're going to do a, an evening or a service or a, a supper or a whatever. Something where we use techniques to help us articulate the good news of Jesus. And in some ways, those are, those are no bad things to have kind of tools in our, in our toolbox to help us to articulate the good news of Jesus. But we can get very fixed on this idea that, well, evangelism is just a box over here, and it's actually for the, the most articulate and clever people to do. It's for the minister and those that have been Christians a long time, or those people that, you know, they, they're quite comfortable chatting. And we forget that actually each one of us can bring the good news of Jesus to the people around us. And that's actually what we are called to do. Some people will be gifted to be particularly able to articulate the gospel, but that doesn't mean that we are not asked to live for Jesus and articulate him. And so I hope that over these coming weeks, rather than learning techniques about reaching out, that we'll see Jesus and just what he did, who he was and how he related to people, and that that might help us and strengthen us and give us confidence that actually we just have to be ourselves as followers of Jesus and have a heart and a mind and an eye for what he would see and that actually he's going ahead of us doing the work if only we will join with him and so as we, as we look at these encounters with Jesus I really encourage you to see both for yourself but also for the way that you live your life how we can follow the master. As we seek to do that, there seem to be a couple of things in this passage that I just wanted us to highlight for a couple of minutes that are really important as we seek to, to learn from encounters with Jesus. 
First thing that I notice that's really important for us as we begin to look at encounters with Jesus is this. Verse 18 of John chapter 17 says this, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That's preceded in verse 15 by saying, my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. In this passage, we see that that we are called to be engaged with the world that is all around us, in which we live and work and socialise and breathe and have our existence. Retreating into a Christian ghetto is not what we are called to do. It's kind of easy in a way, can be easy to do that. But you know that so easily can lead to a kind of an internalism and a pride developing. It can lead to a negative attitude, a superior attitude towards those who don't know Jesus. It can lead to a very false view of the world. It can lead to a really judgmental attitude. It can lead us into all sorts of difficulties if we just stick within a Christian ghetto and we need to avoid it at all costs. Because actually, the Pharisees in Mark chapter 2 had fallen into that very trap. Why are you associating with sinners? And tax collectors, ugh, was their tone. And Jesus said, I didn't come to save the righteous, as if there was anyone righteous. But I came to save the sinners. So it's really important that we don't retreat into a Christian ghetto and and only associate with people that think like us and see like us. However, there's a challenge. Because to be fully engaged in the world means that that we don't conform with the way that the world operates either. And the draw to do that is ever so strong. Let's be honest. Just four little examples of of how the world would draw us to to conform and lose sight of of God's standards, of Jesus' perfection. First thing, maybe, is, is just seeking our own happiness to the exclusion of everybody else. Allowing ourself, or maybe our family, to become the ruler of all of our decision making because we are worth it. And in so doing, building up a little wall around ourselves or around our our sort of family and excluding everyone else. So easy to to fall into that kind of self-actualization, self-fulfillment to the exclusion of all others. Now, I'm not saying that family is not important. Of course, family is important and we need to get balance. But actually, it's very tempting to shut everybody else out and look after number one. I guess the challenge is to work out 
How do we love our neighbour as we love ourselves? And find that balance. So that we don't conform to a very selfish, self-seeking world. Another challenge for us is perhaps the allure of stuff, of possessions, of excess. Things that might possibly, if we have enough of them, give us an identity, give us a sense of security or self-worth because we're keeping up with everybody else. So easy to fall into that gap. Well, I've got to do that. Got to have that holiday. Got to have that gadget. Got to have that car. Got to do this to the house. There's nothing wrong with stuff per se. But if it becomes an idol, if it becomes something that gets in the way of our walking honestly and honourably before God, then we begin to conform to the world. Another example is to allow sex to become an idol of self-satisfaction. It's all about me. I have a right to a sex life. And it suddenly becomes stripped of being the gift that God gives for one woman and one man committed to one another. And becomes all about self. Selfishness. Maybe it's about seeking power and influence. (coughs) Wanting to control other people. That's a a real temptation for us to to follow, to conform to society, instead of having an open hand and seeking to, to love one another. To be in the world, which is absolutely what Jesus calls us to do, and not conform is tough. To do that, we need Jesus. And we need to imitate him, to obey the Father. To give ourselves to being made holy day by day. Three things we can do and learn from Jesus. First, we can be be, be giving ourselves to being made holy by the truth of God's word reading it hearing it chewing it over whether it's just a short verse of scripture for each day or whether it's a daily bible reading whether it's something a bit bigger it doesn't matter if we are being influenced and challenged by scripture so we need the truth of God's word and we need to acknowledge number two the wisdom of his laws kind of relates to number one but we need to acknowledge that God has given us his word he's given us his laws that we might live most fully as he made us to be and thirdly by the power of the Holy Spirit we can't do this just by being kind of determined strong good upright people we need God living and refreshing and renewing us daily we need to let 
God into our hearts and into our lives through scripture by the power of the spirit to shape us so that as verse 21 and 23 says the world will see the love of God in us and shaping us so there's the first thing we are called to be in the world if we follow Jesus and we are called to be in the world not to conform but to be light in a dark place second thing that that struck me in this passage was this that being in the world but not conforming will not always be plain sailing it isn't easy take a look at verse 14 I've given them your word and the world get this has hated them flipping heck that's not comfortable but as we follow Jesus we can expect opposition maybe outright hostility maybe misunderstanding maybe kind of suspicion and kind of being kept at arm's length but did that cause Jesus to cave in Did that cause Jesus to give up when people came and challenged him and opposed him, said that he was wrong, said that he was blasphemous? No. He knew that he was called and we need to hold on to the fact that we are called. It's not easy. But in a sense it's easier when it's not a surprise. It's easier when we realise there's a price to pay for following Jesus. And we think, yeah, okay, that response was understandable. Let's pray into that situation. Of course we won't be opposed at every turn. There will be encouragement upon encouragement along the way as we seek to follow Jesus honestly. But we need to expect opposition. We need to expect, not just that that people will kind of get funny with us, but actually that Satan will try to to divert us away. Will try to, 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 to do all sorts of things that will just discourage us, deflect us, dissuade us from following him. So a calling to be a follower of Jesus, to being a disciple of Jesus, is both the best thing that you can do, but it's also one of the hardest things. And that's why being together in fellowship is so valuable and vital, that we encourage one another, that we come expectant that that God would help us and meet with us in this place, strengthen us to go out for the the fight so to speak not that we go out aggressive and looking for a punch up but that we go out looking to be light and salt in the world so as we begin 2013 may we learn to imitate Jesus May we encounter him as we look at different encounters with him 
in the coming weeks. May we allow Jesus to shape us and be at the very heart of who we are, that he can turn the rot into something that is beautiful, something that has strength and integrity.